0: Good morning. Today I'd like to tell you Susie's story, in her words. Every day I wake up at 5.30 to get Caroline, the baby, fed and dressed in clean clothes and to get the older boys up and ready for the school bus. Then I take the bus and I drop Caroline at daycare and then I call Robert and Jack to make sure that they've left for school. They are such good boys. Sometimes they even cook dinner ready for when I come home. I work two jobs, so my days are really long and tiring. I clean houses and I also wash dishes at the local cafe down the street. I can't afford to skip a day because things are really tight and I only get minimum wage. Sometimes when my kids are asleep, I'll have a couple of drinks. It helps me to get off to sleep. It seems to be the only thing that helps my aching back. Cleaning's hard work. My sister, who lives out of state, is always me about it, but it's not like I'm doing drugs or anything illegal. But last Tuesday, ah, child services took my kids. It was the worst day of my life. The night before, I'd run out of formula for the baby. So after I put it to bed, I went to the corner store to get some. The boys were watching TV and Robert was in charge. The formula's really expensive and I also realised that I'd run out of wine. So I stopped to buy some. And then I realised that I didn't have enough money left for the formula. So I, well, I just slipped a can of it in my bag. I thought I'd got away with it. Ah, but 20 minutes later, the police were at my door and they arrested me for a can of formula. The worst thing of all was that I was already on probation. So I think they're gonna throw the book at me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I wonder what you thought as I read out that story. Did you think things like, I can't believe she left her kids alone, or she should be ashamed of herself by an alcohol before formula, or huh, she's on probation too, typical. Or did you think, whoa, she's in a tough spot, that's a lot of responsibility to carry alone. That's awful that she can't afford to miss a day of work when she's in so much pain. Mind you, alcohol's not the solution. Did you find yourself judging Susie's actions or was your heart moved because of her plight? In all likelihood, you probably experienced a little bit of both. Her story likely triggered certain reactions in you depending on your own experiences and your cultural viewpoint. If you'd been in a similar situation, you might have been more empathetic, but maybe not. Might have made you harder-hearted, as in, well, I have a lot to deal with too, and I didn't do that, whatever that might be in your eyes. Because in truth, most of us have a list of things that we deem okay and forgivable, and another list where we think that somebody has stepped over the line. And while we may not consciously acknowledge that, our immediate reactions reveal the attitudes of our heart. In effect, we're playing judge as to who is deserving of favour. We have an ongoing joke in our family as to who is the favourite child. When asked that question by one of our two kids as they were growing up, we'd say, you're our favourite six-year-old, or you're our favourite daughter, or you're our favourite child with curly hair, and so it would continue. But joking aside, all too often, we make judgments and we play favourites. And the book of James speaks out against that in chapter two, let's take a look, he says My dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out your faith. If a man enters your church wearing an expensive suit and a street person wearing rags comes in right after him and you say to the man in the suit, sit here sir, this is the best seat in the house, and you either ignore the street person or you say, better sit here in the back row, haven't you segregated God's children? Listen dear friends, isn't it clear by now that God operates quite differently? He chose the worlds down and outs as the kingdom's first citizens, with full rights and privileges. This kingdom is promised to anyone who loves God, and here you are abusing these same citizens. Well, this passage is speaking about favouring rich people and therefore discriminating against the poor, but it does have a wider application. We're told that the kingdom is promised to anyone who loves God, and therefore it's not for us to decide. Who is deserving a favour, especially if we're judging by what we see. In fact, the passage goes on to say, you do well when you complete the royal rule of the scriptures, love others as you love yourself. And then James ends by warning us of the danger of judging others, saying, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that give freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What a wonderful statement. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The message puts it this way. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. You know, God calls us to love mercy, and we do, when it applies to our life. But when it comes to others, we're so tempted to judge, aren't we? But I wonder what I would have done in Susie's situation. What would you have done? It is so easy to rush and in and pass judgment on somebody's behavior. But until we've actually walked in their shoes, we don't really know how we would react. You might know the saying, walk a mile in their shoes. Well, the full saying is actually before you judge a man, walk a mile in his shoes. And it was most likely derived from a poem by Mary Torrance Lathrop, written over a hundred years ago, entitled, Walk a Mile in Their Moccasins. She was an American poet, a licensed Methodist preacher, a suffragist, and a reformer. Here is the poem. Pray don't find fault with the man that limps or stumbles along the road, unless you have worn the shoes he wears or stumbled beneath the same load. There may be tears in his souls that hurt, though hidden away from view. The burden he bears placed on your back may cause you to stumble and fall too. Don't be too harsh with a man that sins, or pelt him with words, or stones, or disdain. Unless you are sure you have no sins of your own, and it's only wisdom and love your heart contains. Don't sneer at the man who is down today, unless you have felt the same blow that caused his fall, or you felt the shame, but only the fallen know. For you know if the tempter's voice should whisper a soft to you, As it did to him when he went astray it might cause you to falter too. Brother there but for the grace of God go you and I, just for a moment slip into his mind and traditions and see the world through his spirit and eyes before you cast a stone or falsely judge his conditions. Take the time to walk in his shoes. And walking in someone's shoes is seeking to understand their experiences, their unique challenges, their thought processes, their hopes and their fears. When we say, put yourself in my shoes, it's a cry for empathy and understanding. It's a hard cry that says, please don't judge me too harshly. In fact, the original title of this poem was Judge Softly. And that poem contains a saying that I heard often growing up, particularly when I was being judgmental, it was quoted to me by my mother. There but for the grace of God go you and I but it's so easy to forget that. I am who I am by the grace of God. G-R-A-C-E, great riches at Christ's expense. I didn't earn them. By grace, I was saved, not because of anything I've done. By grace, God has lavished his great kindness on me. He's adopted me into his family. He's filled me with his spirit and I've been transformed. I deserve judgment and he showed me mercy. Now, if grace means getting what we didn't deserve, then mercy is not getting what we do deserve, which is judgment. When I was still a sinner, my life in a mess, Jesus died for me. You see, Jesus came to earth and he walked in our shoes. He completely identified with us in our sin and laid down his life so that we could be righteous and whole. (laughs) But now we are the body of Christ on this earth and he asks us to do justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly. And if we want to know what that looks like, let's look at Jesus. One time, as he was speaking at the temple, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd, saying, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says she should be stoned. What do you say? And they kept demanding an answer. So he said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. But when they heard this, they all slunk away, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle with the woman in front of the crowd. And he said to her, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. So Jesus said, Then neither do I. Go and sin no more. You can find that story in John chapter 8. His heart is soft and tender towards those who ask for mercy. In his book, Gentle and Lowly, Dane Auckland asks us this question. Have we considered the loveliness of Jesus' heart? It is a heart that walks us into the bright meadow of the felt love of God. It is a heart that drew the despised and forsaken to his feet in self-abandoning hope. It's a heart of perfect balance and proportion, never overreacting, never excusing. Never lashing out, it is a heart that throbs with desire for the destitute, gentle and lowly. Jackie Pullinger, who preached the gospel to drug lords in the walled city in Hong Kong, had a lot to say about our hearts. She suggests that God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet, but the trouble with so many of us is that we have hard hearts and soft feet. What about your heart? What about your feet? You see, soft feet wouldn't go near Susie. They would tiptoe past, lest things get messy or they'd avoid the path totally in case it got too painful or just took up too much time. And when we keep our distance, it's much easier to have a hard heart. And the hard heart might say, serves her right, she deserves all they throw at her. If she hadn't bought alcohol, she wouldn't have needed to steal. And our harsh judgment may just confirm her worst fear and support the lie of the enemy that says, you're not good enough. God could never love someone like you. And she'd probably throw up a wall of resentment to protect herself, telling herself, Christians don't understand, they just judge. I don't need them and I don't need their God. But if we walk by the spirit and keep in step with him, obeying his promptings to go into hard places to lighten others' loads, our feet become hard. And often in the process of going, God softens our hearts because hard feet would get close enough to see Susie's face and hear her story. And when the story has a face and a name, our hearts are much more likely to be moved by compassion. We begin to see the need behind the behavior. She is experiencing social isolation on the one hand and poverty on the other hand, both key factors in determining some of these levels of interactions with child services and the criminal justice system. She has unmet needs she could do with a better job with benefits like sick days and health care. Transport would make life so much easier and she really needs a support network. Basically, she could do with some good news. That it need or not always be this way, but there is hope for a better future. And boy, oh boy, do we have good news. The good news that Jesus died for her to take her shame, that he heals the brokenhearted, but he is not counting her sins against her so neither do we. The good news that God sets the lonely in families and he uses his people to lighten their loads, to perform acts of kindness and to create slack in tight situations. The good news that God loves her. Auckland says the world is starving for a yearning love, a love that remembers instead of forsakes, a love that isn't tied to our loveliness, a love that gets down underneath our messiness, A love that is bigger than the enveloping darkness we might be walking through even today. A love of which even the very best human romance is the faintest of whispers. God's love for us is the greatest love story of all time. And when we truly understand the magnitude of our poverty before God on the one hand, and the greatness of his love on the other hand, we will be undone because on the cross, Justice was fully satisfied and mercy was fully poured out. And when we remember that we rely on the mercy of God every single day, our hearts are filled with gratitude. And when we're saying thank you, it reminds us that every good thing that we have comes from his grace. We didn't bring anything to the table. And that makes it difficult to be self-righteous. And it tends to cut off judgment. After I met Jesus by his Holy Spirit, my heart was changed and my old unhealthy behaviours fell away. Over time, his work produced fruit in my life. So when I consider my own journey, I do not want to be found wanting in mercy towards others. I want to be rich in mercy, even if people take advantage of me, because I take advantage of the grace and the mercy of God every single day. And when I see God, I would far rather him say to me, you were too merciful than you were too judgmental. We need the Holy Spirit's help to do this. We need our heart transformed. When we walk in step with the Spirit, He enables us to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes to answer their silent but heartfelt plea for kindness and understanding. He gives us the power to walk humbly knowing that there but for the grace of God go you or I. I want a soft heart and hard feet. And for those who are with me, two treatments I would recommend. Just like plaque can build up in our arteries and limit essential blood flow to the body, self-righteousness and judgment towards others limits the flow of mercy in our lives. It makes us hard-hearted towards others. We need a spiritual arthrectomy to eliminate the plaque of judgment. Fortunately, no physical surgery is required. This procedure takes place through prayer. So set some time aside to sit with God. Give thanks for all you've received. And invite the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and to bring transformation. Ask him to show you, where have I been harsh, Lord, and judged others? And then confess your sin and ask for his forgiveness. And then soak in that forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. Ask him to give you a deeper understanding and awareness of his love and his mercy for you and others. And each day ask the Holy Spirit for the grace that you need to choose mercy over judgment in your attitudes, your actions, and your words. That'll soften your heart. But what about feet? In all honesty, hard feet, eh, calluses and bunions and so on, usually in need of a pedicure before we reveal them to the summer sun. I prefer cute, soft baby feet. I mean, who doesn't? But Jackie Pullinger's phrase, soft hearts, hard feet, turned it upside down for me about what qualifies as beautiful feet. Think of the scripture in Isaiah 52, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. We need to go get a spiritual pedicure to harden our feet, but this treatment doesn't involve sitting down and soaking because our feet get hard as we go. So let's go and let's dare to ask Him, who we can serve or forgive Whose load can we lighten? What act of kindness can we do? Be obedient and do what he says because you never know where it might lead. Take baby steps if you need to. Start by being soft-hearted and hard-feated at home with your family. The Spirit might just be asking you to walk across the kitchen or across the office to a colleague because loving mercy begins with those closest to us and it involves our attitudes, our actions and our words. And speaking of words, a few last words from Jesus sums up everything we've talked about today. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. That's another way of saying love your neighbour as yourself. The Susie that I told you about today was a made-up character. But that kind of situation is far from fictional. There are many Susies out there and Sams, and Catherines and Jacks caught between a rock and a hard place just waiting for good news. So let's go with soft hearts and hard feet. Keeping in step with the spirit, we have good news to share. The good news that mercy triumphs over judgment. And you know, if you have found yourself between a rock and a hard place and if you are without hope, and you don't know Jesus, can I encourage you to come to him today? Surrender everything to him, your life, your situation, everything. Ask for forgiveness for the things that you've done wrong and ask him to come into your life and heart today. You will find him full of love and mercy. He has promised to be with you forever and he will never leave you or forsake you. Put your trust in him today. If you'd like to talk to someone, you can get in touch with us at hello at newfrenticechurch.com. Soft hearts, hard feet. Let's go.